We hope that the junkies appreciate this last minute episode. This is going to be the last episode for a few months. So we're making this a special one. We wanted to pay homage to another fallen brother in this underground rap scene. We're here to pay tribute to the man, the myth, the legend, Ramon Corona, known to the world as Night Owl. Unfortunately, he left this earth on February 11th, 2022, leaving behind a legacy and the mark in the West Coast hip hop, especially the underground, not to mention the plethora of work he released across his three decades as a professionally recording artist. Now, my boy 6190E actually knew Night Owl on a personal level. Six, if you don't mind sharing with your listeners how you actually cross paths with Night Owl, take it away. How I met Ray, Raymond, Ramon, Mr. Night Owl, Al, the bird, whatever you want to call him. Uh, when I met Ray, probably the year 2001, I was probably uh, 15. Uh, you know, word has already gone around that, you know, well, that uh, Night Owl's parents uh, lived, you know, not too far from my parents' house. He was uh, driving on the boulevard and I was probably walking home from school. I remember the day was hot. You know, he drove past by on the boulevard and I just, you know, I just yelled out, yo, yo, not out. You know, he greets me and, uh, you know, I asked a couple questions and <laughs> and then after that, he, he blessed me with the uh, the night out, the ball headed kingpin album. Nice, nice. <laughs> so he blessed <laughs> me with that CD. If I remember the only CD I'd probably owned by that time was I want to say it was Nightmares. And then from there, I, uh, you know, we, we kept the relationship going. And that's, that's how I, that's how I met the owl. And that's fucking crazy, dog. 2001-ish? That, what, so it's been like, I want to say, let's go with 2001, yeah. Damn, so it's been like 20 years yeah. that you've known him. Known person. Yeah. That's crazy, bro. Um, you know, so you were actually a fan before you, you became like a, a family friend right correct that's cool bro i would like uh, to hear how you you know <laughs> how night owl came into your uh it, you know what's funny is that um, um i i actually remember hearing his name for the first time um in high school so i think i was a freshman and i was sitting next to this girl in my science class and I, I had something rap-related on my folder, and um, out of nowhere, she started asking me questions about, like, Chicano rappers. So she's like, hey, do you, do you listen to Shadow? I was like, yeah, he's cool. And then she started mentioning other names that I wasn't familiar with because um, I, I hadn't actually heard their music. I just heard of them. She goes, what about Little One? I'm like, yeah, him too. He's cool, I guess. And then she goes, Night Owl. I'm like, sure, you know, he's cool. But I, I hadn't heard his music yet. And then I, I think like a, a few years later, I started downloading music through like uh, Napster and fucking LimeWire. LimeWire, that LimeWire was was a big one there. I remember I was kicking it with my homie out in, um, in Temecula and we had this friend come over and he's like, hey, dog, check this out. I just got these two CDs. And the first one was uh, uh, Shadows Till I Die. And the second one was The Night Owl. And he started playing a few tracks. He's like, yo, you know, check out this track. Like, this is a trip. And he starts playing a few songs from them. And I remember how 
uh, come get some of this caught me off guard, dog. Like, the, the instrumental was vicious. His fucking delivery was like off the top. Like it almost reminded me of like a little bit of um, uh, Be Real, you know, like the way the nasally sound that he made on that song. Yeah. So that, you know, that's how I kind of started appreciating his music little by little and shit. And it, 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 that's how his music came into my life. I think it was like New Year's 2009 or something. We were at some party and, and the next day we went to go fill up gas because we were headed back down to San Diego. And I, I kid you not, my homie comes out of the car. He's like, hey, dog, I think I just saw Night Owl at AMPM. Like, go, go into the store and, and, and let me know if it's him. And I, I walked past by him. And I, I think he knew that, like, I recognized him. And he just, you know, he just chopped up a conversation with me. And he's like, hey, man, like, what are you doing over here? Just picking up something for, for my girl. And he starts giving me advice. He's like, hey, man, if you got a good woman with you, like, just don't let her go. You know, just treat her right and, and she'll treat you right. And and that was like, <laughs> I, I to this day, dog, like, I couldn't tell if that was him or not. But I was like 99% sure it was him. You know what I mean? And, and that's like the first encounter I had with him. And then the other time that I actually had some sort of contact with him was uh, when, when we had a call with him. And he was just kind of explaining to us his... Um, history a little bit and, and you know just general shit i think it was that that time that I, uh, I i created that video no and he was very i remember he was he was very fond of it and you know respected the product that you put out you know on youtube and he said yeah let's let's talk up there's a couple things that i you know just want to make sure that hits the nail on the head with it and it was a good conversation man we, we yeah, all learned something that day it really was dog and, and i'm glad i got to hear his side of the story on on some of the shit that un unfolded and unfurled um you know with with regards to other rappers and and you know the influence he had and, and the impact he had and, and somewhat like launching their careers and shit so that's what we want to talk about today man it's just like the impact he had on 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 the rap scene dog because this this fool has had have you counted how many cds or albums he put out i want to say i want to say between 20 to 25 maybe solo albums maybe and, and like uh, 40 and compilations plus, or some shit right and who, yeah and who knows and then plus and plus compilations you know yeah, so, so he was a busy guy man let's talk a little bit about some of your discography you got quite a catalog almost like what 30 albums something like that um on my own that doesn't include all the compilations that i put out about another 40 comps that include different artists and stuff like that and i mean do, did he ever talk to you about like the beginning of his career because i know he's had a few interviews where he's detailed it and before i start summarizing all that shit i wanted to know if like he told you any any stories of how he came up and things that we can share with with our listeners well you know um when i was growing up and i got to know him you know it was more about you know hearing neighborhood stories or what he was up to or we would actually you know listen to a couple of albums together nice so i never got to really ask him about exactly how his career 
formed. You know, I have an idea from conversations and from interviews. Let's let's talk about like his come up because I, I think it's really interesting and this is this is something that really separates uh, Chicano rap from like the other subgenres of hip hop because right. So for our our listeners from you know different parts of the world that may not understand what the hell we're talking about when we talk about neighborhood raps, this is basically like roll calls and gang banging against rival gangs from different neighborhoods surrounding neighborhoods or sometimes you know other fucking other other gangs from across town and this is something that's really interesting because night i was not the first one to mention this one you know uh, a little one mentioned that that was his come up too right that that's how he would go around to different parties that the homies were throwing and you know his first introduction to rapping was doing these neighborhood raps for the hood and German so raps and the Wapton raps when i first started uh, I was about 13, and uh, I used to start trying to write my own rhymes and stuff like that. And, you know, I was just learning, you know what I mean? I was experimenting. I used to do uh, a bunch of little uh, raps at the house on cassette and stuff like that. And What happened after high school for you? I was doing, uh, like, neighborhood raps, roll calls, and we would battle other rappers from other barrios and stuff like that. Shortly after that, I started, uh, I met a DJ named Ricky Rick. And uh, I started recording on a four track and I started doing uh, songs for the neighborhood, doing roll calls for the hood, mentioning homies and stuff like that. Around what years will you say you started uh, uh, these four track demos? In 89. Okay, in 89. Okay. Yeah. And were you producing these yourself? No, uh, the first producer that I had uh, was a guy named King Sandman. Okay. Still a good friend of mine, you know. Okay. That was my first producer. And uh, he helped me out, you know, and we got the little demo going. And uh, that's basically how I started, you know, doing neighborhood raps, mm -hmm. banging on other hoods. That was your inspiration to yeah, basically want to put your hood on the map? Basically, that's what it was, yeah. Was this all original music or were these samples? Half and half. Okay. Half and half. Okay. Were any of those songs, uh, Here Comes a Night Out? No. Uh, Here Comes a Night Out uh, came about in... Maybe 91. Okay. In 91. We'll, we'll get to that. You know, but one thing that I, I do know that he's told me before, and which is, is not out there in a, it's not out there in any interview, but for, I don't know why he's never mentioned it. In that song, Here Comes the Night Owl, you know, he just credits for just sampling, you know, the swing beat, you know, the Tony Allen's Night Owl. Mm -hmm. So, but he always told me that uh, he also sampled in in there, uh, you cheated by the shields and that if you listen to it closely, you'll actually get to hear it. So that, really? that's one thing that he told me on the on the one on one that uh, he's, he's never mentioned before. This is where I want to start. I want to correct the reports going around that he started rapping and recording in 1993. If you do any little bit of research, uh, you'll see that his first year rhyming on Wax was Here Comes the Night Owl from 1991. 
and his first release was on Familia Records' single from 1992 titled A Tribute to Mary Wells with the B-side titled You Can't Fuck With a Night Owl. When he started recording those uh, neighborhood raps, um, he started doing the, the four tracks where he was doing those roll calls and, you know, basically gangbanging on other hoods. He mentions his first DJ was DJ Ricky Rick. Yeah, I heard that. D- did you ever get a chance to meet him or find out who that is? No, I, no. I did not. I wonder if that dude's still around, but, you know, that that was the DJ that was basically cutting up the, the four tracks for him. And uh, according to, to Night Owl on several interviews, he says that after uh, doing these raps, um, do you know who Vince was up in Norwalk Records? Uh, no. Um, all, I, all I remember him hearing that is uh, his first producer, Sandman, mm-hmm. that he has unreleased material from him. Oh, shit. So that I do know, his first producer. Yeah, so somehow he, he clicked up with uh, Vince, who told him that, you know, there was a, a teacher out in uh, Compton, Compton uh, who turned out to be Murray Brumfield. And uh, per that interview with Night Owl, he says that um, he showed he showed uh, Murray the the, uh, the four tracks of demos that, you know, he was shopping around. And, you know, within within a few weeks, they got started on, on the fucking on the debut album, The Night Owl, which is crazy, right? Because, you know, th- these are unpolished tracks, but somehow like the, the talent is there, right? Like Mur- this is what I will give Murray Brumfield credit for is, is being a visionary and being an entrepreneur, right? Uh, having a good ear for, for talent. So, um, you know, without getting too deep into this, because I really want to do an episode specifically on this album, but from what we know, uh, this is where he started recording um, those two tracks that we mentioned earlier, right? Uh, a tribute, tribute to Mary, to Mary Wells. Wells and You Can't Fuck With The Night On. You go down to Norwalk Records, is that where you meet him? Uh, no, I met Vince there, okay. and Vince gave me his number, and then we met up at a studio. Okay, yeah. and, and how did that meeting go? Did, did you play in the demos there? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did, and uh, right away he took me to the studio. He's like, hey, let's get busy, and let's start recording. Okay. So right away, within like two weeks. Yeah, um, you, you know what's and up? Shout out to, and shout out to Murray Brumfield for, you know, believing in some, in some talented homies. I was, I was blessed to meet him one time and texted him. You know, maybe like four or five times, and I, I met him once through Night Owl. Man. That was a memory I, I won't forget. Didn't you also meet uh, what's that other fool's name? Uh, Bill Walker? No, no, not Bill Walker. Uh, uh, Rick, Richard Cruz. I met Richard Cruz. Richard. And Cruz. I also yeah. met Richard Sneed. Richard Sneed from um, Norwalk. Yeah, for Norwalk Eastside Records. That's cool, dog. Uh, did, did you catch how many fucking units the debut sold? Self-titled it, The Night Owl. The Night Owl. How yeah. did that do? It did great, really. Yeah, in the streets, probably sold like easy in the streets. Fuck, man, maybe like three, four hundred thousand copies. I don't know if he said that's what this it pushed on the street or street mixed with distribution and what Murray put out or or, or car show swap meets, but I believe it was rumored he said between three to four hundred thousand in between that deal and between that range. That's fucking crazy, bro. Yeah, that, I mean, that's definitely going to have you, like I said, it's, that's, that's, a, that's the project that, you know, Night Owl is remembered by, you know, that's people going to name you songs off that album. And plus, the, the, fact, the, dog, the, the fact that that 
sold that much without any radio play like that's something we we got to keep in mind of how successful this thing is even without support from the mainstream this is the shit that trips me out you know but reality steps in radio doesn't show the brown love come throw them hands up when they bump me at a club i'm glad he went with also um the name night out over uh ray rapsy (laughs) ray Ray rapsy when i first started rapping i was like say 13 14 and I wasn't Night Owl, the rapper. I was a uh, Ray Rap C. Really? <laughs> yeah. Ray that was Rap C. Ray Rap C. Hey, hey dog. <laughs> you know when we were doing the episode for Shadow, and um, we were like, man, can you imagine a guy named Mr. Prieto? Like, how far would it would someone go with that name? You know what Bro, I mean? No one would give. No one would give his music a chance. I, I, imagine like Night Owl keeping Ray Rap C, like. I don't know, man. I can't see that going that far, you know. But Night Owl, you know that. I think there's there's some uh, common ground with different neighborhoods because you, you know there's a Night Owl in every hood. So, um, but in that first album, you know, I I, I do want to give credit to to Night Owl. Circling back to that song, uh, here comes a Night Owl, because that is such an interesting way of rhyming, dude. Because you know you you mentioned it, you know, uh, little one took uh took that style too but remember i showed you that there's some guy out in chicago that did a recent song a couple years back and almighty blessing yes I yes that. i remember that combo yeah th- that's a trip right like the fact that this is still a um this is still a style that that's done and you just gotta pay attention to realize that it's it's night out style that people are fucking biting yeah. you know what i mean what what's real interesting is because like i said i i believe that that young man rapped to uh paul anka's uh head on your shoulder and uh, what's pretty crazy is that i from there i listened to a couple of his uh a couple of his songs and mm-hmm. you know he raps like you know he has the ability to rap you know not the best thing i've ever heard but he can say that he raps yeah so and it was crazy you know you hear him literally can rap to a rap beat no problem but then you completely see the change in how he rapped when he rapped to that oldie beat it was like a not like he struggled but like he had to work on it that it was like hard to format into rapping into an oldie and then I compared to, like I said, it's what Night Owl said. It took him like two months to rap to that. I remember when I got that beat, it was really hard to rap to because it was a swing beat. And I'm like, damn, how am I going to do this? You know, and it took me like two months really to figure out the rap style. And he basically, like I said, he it's almost like he took over the beat and he flipped it. And it, at first it was a song that it was really when I first even like um heard that song i i never actually really liked the the oldie rap songs mm-hmm. it took me a while to really appreciate them and then i only grew i only grew up to like them because i was already listening to it their normal rap stuff yeah but it's that song like i said now i look at that song it's it's genius you know it, it, it really even, is you know and like i said because of night owl you know he uh he basically you know I call it the birthplace of Chicano rap and, and that, that whole style pretty much, you know, he was the seed or, you know what I mean? He was the main root that just started off the whole tree. And if it wasn't for him, 
we probably would have never gotten, you know, what li- the oldie that little ones are known for. You know, they, they call him, you know, they call him little one. They call him Mr. Little One by uh by the Orlines, you know, Mr. Twenty One. You know, and that's another thing too, right? Like, um, I think Night Owl mentioned it a few times that when he's, it, it's crazy that he was talking like this, but he says like, when I'm gone, I, I want people to remember me as, as someone that, that helped other people, you know, that opened doors and shit. I've always helped a lot of people. I've been a good dude. When I'm not here, I want to be remembered as somebody that helped and did something for my gente. And you think about like, you know, putting little one in a position where he gets introduced to Madman. Um, you know, I, I think he was doing something for the tribe and Madman too, right? Like the way that he got them connected. I ran into um, Night Owl a few times. Okay. And I already knew that he was like in the game, like doing his thing. He had albums out. So he actually took me to the first studio hmm. where I recorded an actual song. Like we used to drive to Riverside, you know, and record. And that was like the first time that I actually went in a studio and recorded like, you know, right. in a studio. Right, and, and you were a teenager at this time, correct? I was, uh, no, when I went with Night, I was about 18. Okay, and now, you did your album. Yeah. Uh, um, who produced that album as far as music uh, beats? Madman, the same dude that did Night Owl's first album. Okay. Brown from GPA and Brown, like, they were connected because the same thing, you know, like, uh, I think, I think, uh, in that conversation we had with Night Owl, you mentioned how, um, how Brown grew up in his neighborhood, you know, and if I'm not mistaken, Brown just posted a little while ago that Night Owl was actually the first person that befriended him and shit. And, um, you know, he ended up, uh, becoming the, the guy that, that did a lot of the artwork for his, um, for his album covers. And you know, we can keep going on and on about like the different people that Night Owl got connected with the industry and shit. And if I'm not mistaken, even even DJ Mike Ski was DJing for Night Owl at some point, you know? Yeah, so correct. I believe he was also, he was gonna be the producer for the Hollow Point if uh, the deal that Ruthless with Easy and Heller went through. Another question I had for you was uh, Easy E. He was giving you a chance. What's the backstory yeah. behind meeting Easy E? Um, that's that's a trip, man. I remember that it was a holiday, uh, and I called Ruthless Records. I introduced myself on the answering machine. I told him who I was, and I played a song for him on the answering machine. It was a song called The Hollow Point. And then I called back again, and I left another song, and that one was a Finger on the Trigger. So I called up there, I called the, and Jerry answers the phone. He actually answered the phone or? He answered the phone, yeah. And I'm like, yo, what's up, Jerry, how you doing? And he's like, who's this? I said, this is Night Owl. He goes, Night Owl, motherfucker. He goes, you left Hollow Point on my answering machine. He remembered. I said, yeah, yeah, what's up? He goes, man, he goes, me and Easy been bugging off that shit. We fucking love it. He goes, you guys need to come out here. He goes, I, I want to talk to you guys. I had did those songs with uh, Mr. Little One. So I told him I got us a, a meeting with uh, with Easy. And at the time, we had a DJ named Mike Ski. Uh, by the way, you know, shouts out to my boy Mike Ski. 
and his brothers, the Legion of Doom. They're legends out here in the SD game. And uh, we met with DZ and Jerry and all that. And they loved what we were doing, you know. So we get into the studio. They want to do an album with us. They wanted to get like a certain amount of uh, Latinos or Mexicans uh, on the label. Easy was cool with that. Like he, and that was before they were calling it Chicano rap. Before they were calling it Chicano rap, exactly. So Easy was trying to, you know, help us out. You know, he already had uh, Brownside, uh, Toker, and uh, Danger, and them were uh, over at Ruthless already. And Frost. rest in peace, Toker. Yeah, rest in peace, Toker. And Frost was over there. So we were the next to come out. We were supposed to uh, do an album, and we were going to come out right after Bone. And we were in the studio at uh, The Edge with uh, Mark Palladino. So I'm the one that came up with the idea of naming the album Pet Cemetery, Since, you know, they had Snoop Dogg and the Dog Pond and all them, you know. And, and we was letting everybody have it, you know. And unfortunately, at that time, you know, he passed away, rest in peace, easy. And uh, that song was never released, and we didn't get to finish up the album because, you know, Easy passed away. You know, we became a group Hollow Point, and, you know, we were recording songs at the time, and that's when Easy e was blowing up with Bone Thugs and Harmony, and, you know, on a drunk night, I called Easy that number on the phone, and I left, like, 20 messages. Fucking Jerry Heller calls me the next day. I tell Night Out, we fucking go to Ruthless Records. We meet Easy, we meet Jerry. He sends us to Mark Palladino in Inglewood. We're recording at Mark Palladino. Easy dies. Okay, and uh, about how many songs did you guys do? There? We probably had like seven or eight songs. A speak on a song called Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery, yeah, that was for the Dog Pound. Right. And we were like, okay, we're gonna do Pet Cemetery and bury Snoop right. and back up Easy, mm-hmm. right? I wouldn't say the song was that great. It was a little corny, uh-huh. you know what I'm saying? But we did that song. Right. And I said, tell me where the mutt's at, some shit. But we did that song, and it was there, and it was gonna like it was. They were gonna release that song. So uh, on that that tape, like that they played for for Easy E, dog, like trip out how they even reached out because it it's not like they're just bullshitting, you know what I mean? Like there is photographic evidence of them meeting Easy, chopping it up with fucking Jerry Heller. Uh, I believe there's a photo of of Night Owl. Uh, DJ Mike Ski, Little One, and Easy E, and then there's another photo of uh, Little One and fucking Jerry Heller together. And like, can you imagine how different things would have been if they actually made music that was yeah, released I mean, on Ruthless? If um, if things lined up in another path, like I said, they were what they said they were going to come out after Brownside, and this was even before. Uh, Chicano rap label even existed. So, who, like, if that, if Easy wouldn't have, if Easy wouldn't have died, who knows what, how the shift, how the shift would have happened. Maybe the term Chicano rap would have never existed. I, I trip out. Like, you can you can chalk this up as another accomplishment in in Night Owl's bucket, right? So, not only did he, so I, I've said this before that Night Owl album is the beginning of Chicano rap and 
whoever wants to contend this with me, please bring it on. Like, I, I'm more than happy to discuss this with you. But as I've stated before, like, that is what sealed the the genre. That's what defined the, the movement. You know, obviously, there was other rappers before Night Out and other albums that got released before his. But all of that shit was, like, in a different category. You know, that was, like, trying to do the Latin rap shit, trying to do, like, the mainstream raps. And then you had this fucking album that dropped and it, it shifted the direction of how homeboys were going to come up and start rapping, you know? Because Night Owl said it too, like, I'm game banging on the mic. I'm not doing that, you know, Scooby-Doo Watt bullshit. Like, I'm over here, <laughs> I'm over here, like, game banging and shit. And to me, this is like the, the shit that defined the genre, you know what I mean? Like, everything after this was. Uh, you know, title Chicano rap and everything before it got retrofitted into that that title, but you know, just just knowing that that you know he created this this style of rapping, right? Rapping to that swing beat, the way that he's flipping it. You know, even Tony A has given him credit as saying like this is like some Bone Thug shit before Bone Thugs is doing it, and then you know, sta- establishing the genre kicking it off for san diego like this obviously there, there's other rappers in san diego that were making music but to be buzzing that much and create that much of a fucking impact and then to go on with another local san diego rapper and you know just almost be signed by ruthless just from a fucking voicemail that they left drunk rapping to their fucking songs like that's fucking crazy you know what i mean yeah that is that is crazy fuck man like there's there's a lot of things that I'm, as a fan I, I look back and i'm like fuck man like that whole fallout with him and 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 madman like that affected everything you know what i mean because then that that turned uh night out little one gpa and everybody from like you know keeping that connection going with with uh madman and as a result you know when when that uh, fallout happened that's when um that's when night owl went over to um greenside records right that's how we met tone mendoza from greenside i met a label uh named greenside uh with some guy named tone mendoza from uh from uh i guess he was from like the Oakland area. I was going to say like the that. Bay area. Yeah, yes. he was a, from up there. And uh, he wanted to put out my second album. So they gave me a little bit of money and we're working on the album. And Tone was a hustler. He was making money, you know, the, the illegal way. He got busted, got locked up. So that label just disappeared. Yeah, it's a trip, though. And, and that album, like, I. So I'm trying to, like, piece together a fucking time frame. Uh, or a timeline so this shit that he did with with little one was like uh, let's just say between 93 and 95 from there i believe that night i went to greenside right it was like a northern cali label and i believe the the owner of the label was tone mendoza and like i said they they worked on the second album and i believe that for whatever happens you know the the record label went under and well, like I said, they had to Night Out couldn't distribute that his album through uh, that Greenside. record label anymore. Yeah, he went, he would, and uh, he went back to Murray. So I basically took the album back and I released it through Murray 
Again, okay. I went back to Murray Brumfield. He gave me like 25 grand or something. Put it out. And uh, after that, I mean, it, that one did real well. También, you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. That was your second one. Then. My second one. What the was the name of that one? The Wicked West. The Wicked West. Yeah. Those are dope names, man. So you actually um, gave me the tape. And that tape from The Wicked West is actually released on Greenside. Not sure if you realize that. Yeah, it was released on Greenside. And then there's some copies that are released through Amelia. Yeah, so I'm looking at the... So I, I have the CD, which uh, is... I guess this was reprinted on uh, Sawed Off Records. Uh, yeah, and then the last, when you went independent, and the rest until now, I'll turn it on Sawed yeah maybe there so, might be a couple of ame copies but i well, probably not but the rest i should should be printed on so yeah. the wheels fall off <laughs> uh this one dog like I, I really like this album it's uh number one the the cover art is designed by brown from that group brown and gpa um but dog like this fucking album is probably one of my favorite night out albums just because of the production the direction it was heading this shit sounds so mainstream that it's crazy i agree i love the fucking i love the album cover i would wear it on a shirt <laughs> I, I love this album cover that much man it's really unique you know it has like it has western style the cowboy and it also has like a mexican cowboy cowboy in there See, and, and what I like about this is that it it, it was like the first um, it was the first album he put out that actually started featuring motherfuckers, you know? Yeah, let's see, it had a Frost, Gold, it had Frost, uh, Dresta, uh, Lisi Loke, Bulky you know, Big Psych, Big you know? Psych, yep. So, so yeah, that's definitely uh, uh it was definitely like I said, Wicked West definitely turned into like I said, signs of progress in the rap thing for. Night out, you know, yeah, and, and it also turned like so. The way that uh, he describes it on, on his fucking the way that he describes it on, on his interviews is like each album that he put out was basically with a different producer, right? So, uh, that first one was with uh, Sandman and Madman, right? Right, and then when he started doing this one here, uh, this one was uh, I think he tried to go to um. Uh, what's his name? D Black, and D Black was like, "What's your budget?" And he goes, yeah. "I don't got a budget, man. Let's just make music, and then we'll figure it out from there." And he's like, "Nah." He's like, "But I know who can help you, and that's where we cross paths with CG Gun." Drop CG. that beat, homie. After that, uh, I uh, ran into Chris Gun. Chris Gun became my main producer, and uh, the way I met him was. Uh, I got at some dude named D Black that I met through Cosme. Cosme used to stay with D Black, and uh, he was a producer. So when I went to him, at that time, I didn't have no money. So I asked him, I said, hey, homie, can you hook me up and do a couple of beats for me, you know, and maybe help me out a little bit, you know, and I want to record and shit. And he's like, well, what kind of money you got? What kind of budget you got? I said, zero. I got no budget. You know? He hit you with that line? What's your he, budget? He, what's your budget, <laughs> motherfucker? I said, zero, boy. I said, I ain't got shit, man, but let's let's do some music, man. I, I mean, I got some shit. So he goes, I got somebody that might help you. He shot me to the left, basically, and gave me Chris Gunn. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit, man. Yeah. See, I, I think that was probably like... And there's, you know, as I mentioned in, in the other episode on um, how... 
that came about. You know, that the whole issue with D Lyrical and and Chris Gunn having a fucking issue uh, with regards to money and, and, you know, whatnot. And then, you know, Night Owl somehow clicking up with him and figuring out like, hey, you know, let's do some music together. I got your back and starts out with these uh, diss tracks. And, you know, that was probably the the beginning of of a beautiful relationship there. Agreed, agreed. Uh, the Wicked West, man. Man, I could man, a lot of songs that I like here. Uh, Don't Stress, uh, Do It Night, I'll Do It, Lifestyles of a G. Yep. I think I better warn you, you know, fucking You Did Me Wrong. You know, it's yeah, a lot of fucking good songs here. My favorite song on here is Who Do You Think You're Fucking With? That song, bro. That song set the good bar choice. not for, a bad for choice. something else. Bad yeah, you know what trips me out is that fucking. Fucking Murray gave him 25 grand for this shit, dog. Like, can you, can you imagine that? Like, this one? I don't know, man. I felt like he could have probably made more money if he sold it himself. Right. If he I want to say, say mine is uh, What's It All About. It's probably, but but grow, uh, growing up, I used to fuck. Lifestyles of a G was on repeat. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, and this is my favorite Night Owl album. Night Owl said that his favorite was um, Way OG. Yeah, um, uh, I believe, I believe, yeah, Way OG. And I think, I, no, I want to say it was no, Bald Headed Kingpin, too. Yeah, Bald Headed Kingpin and Jailbird. Yeah. No, no, it was Ghetto Bird. Ghetto Bird. Ghetto Bird is Ghetto Bird, Ghetto favorite Bird. Okay. album. Yeah. Those people that, like I said, they, uh, they are into listening to. Uh, you know, only Night Owl's early works. There's a lot of good, there's some hit and miss albums, but there's some, a lot of these Night Owl, they don't have shitty production. And now in the time, hopefully you guys get to uh, listen to, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of good stuff on there, man. It's just, you know, maybe, maybe the whole album might not be fire, but there's a, a lot of good songs that he, that he still had. You can see a lot of his uh, uh, versatile style that he had and, and, and some really, real good production. Like you know, um, yeah, because because the as like I was mentioning earlier, you know, each album has basically a different producer, right? As I mentioned, Madman and Sandman did the first one, uh, Chris Gunn did the second one, and then he talks about uh, I'm not sure in what order it came out, but um, uh, fucking Shot Caller. What year was that? Shot Caller. All I know is that's his third album. So I want to say it was ninety. It had to be before two thousand one that i know for sure and it was probably before nightmare so i'm gonna go with 99 probably because that, that's not i want to say nightmares was released in 2000 and uh ball kingpin was probably 2001 yeah because that was uh produced by by fucking VMF. steve vicious yeah vmf vmf is one of the best producers out there in my eyes i think it's badass hey vmf is definitely dope one of the best yes you're right he was doing a few things out here uh being from san diego i said i gotta work with this dude he's the shit so I hooked up with VMF and we did the Shot Caller album. So after that, you know, we started working and ever since then we continue to work and we're still working. And then another, like, there's so many uh, things like, uh, for example, like, uh, I wish I can gauge, um, like, you know, my, one time you referred to uh, Kanye bringing in like that chimp- chipmunk soul. <laughs> yeah. Man, there's a there's a song that I heard Night I'll have uh, way back in the, like, day maybe, it's probably on the, 
want to say it's in the Jailbird album. So I got to match up when that album came out. He has a song on there called, you know, Yes, I'm Ready. And he's like, he's uh, sampling um, Barbara Mason's Yes, I'm Ready. But he speeds up. He speeds it up. And uh, he speeds up that song, the sample. And it sounds like a chipmunk. And personally, I was like, I always thought and I thought it was genius for that. But like I said, I don't want to say he invented Chipmunk Soul, but it's I'm going to do my, my research later on. Yeah, that, that, man, that's just a trip. I mean, there, there's so many of his, of his albums that are out there, dog, that I still haven't heard everything. You know what I mean? Like as much as I enjoy uh, Chicano rap and, and a lot of Night Owl stuff. There's a lot actually, of stuff out there. There's there's just so much that it's overwhelming. Like I don't even know how the guy had the, the uh, energy to put out so much fucking material. Yeah, you gotta like shop for a producer, studio time. Well, like I said, we're talking about a guy who, which you know, I, I'm not a big fan of his Gran Pelon, but you know he pushed that out. I would believe in a week with Tony G. Oh, that's another thing too, dog. Yeah, to, to get mean, the what is it, the fifty the racks. Bands? Yeah, to get, bands, you know, to get the bands yeah. from, from Bill Walker. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty interesting story, man. Like I said, you know, there's someone that like how many not many not many rappers have that kind of story. You know, that's what makes it interesting that people just think only selling out the trunk independently and only being signed to a record label and that, that was the only way of success there. Like I said, Ch- Chicano rap you know, brought a lot of different, like I said, probably there's a lot of ways into the game that people don't know about because of Chicano rap. You but, know what's a, a, a trip, dude, is like, uh, did, did Night Owl ever get signed to his uncle's label, uh, Beyond Entertainment, the one that uh, Shadow was on? Uh, no, nah, I think the I think the only thing that he's probably ever done is he's probably borrowed some songs from his albums and put them out on his compilations. But I don't think um, I've never once heard Night Owl like rep out uh, Beyond, you know, Beyond Entertainment. Now all you motherfuckers know it's Beyond Entertainment. Put motherfucker down in the pavement. You know what's crazy is that uh, and I'm glad I found this fucking compilation before he passed. Um, the best of the night out, the one that's uh, released. Oh on, uh, man, yeah, I, I got that on. I got that on tape. Night out. I was lucky that night out blessed me with that, but I I have not been able to find that on CD. And if I had, it was out of my range, man. I was definitely jealous when you got it, man. Yeah, it's for you. It, it is. Uh, you know, I regret not buying it the first time I saw it because it probably would have cost me a third of what I paid for it. Oh, that's why you said that. That's a. Uh, that right there for a little while. I know that was released on Familia, Sara, and Beyond. Yeah. Okay, that's why you asked that. Okay. Yeah, so this shit, dog, I've been playing this, like, for the last, I don't know, three weeks. It's been in my car. I'm just fucking playing it just because this was released, like, in 1999 uh, or, or 2000. You know, it, this was a time that... Uh, fucking, como se llama? Yeah, 2002. So this is when... when um, what's his face? Um... Hitman was still trying to cash in on, on everybody, you know what I mean? And I, I think up until this point, like, Night Owl had enough material that, like, he could be like, yeah, like, he has a, he can do a Greatest Hits compilation. 
but just looking off the the fucking the the track list here man here comes the night out turn off your lights do it night out do it and this one this song has fucking grown on me kill me a witness bro oh yeah yeah it's a song where it kind of starts off like it's kind of like an accordion but not really but that led zeppelin fucking sample is what really gets me man uh, reggie aka madman really did a, a good job with that shit ah man madman like i said one day we're gonna have to do an episode on him definitely I don't know, man. Like, out of all the albums that that Night Owl has put out, which one, which one do you fuck with the most? Oh man, I wish I can. If I can split it up, you know, the most I, there would have to be four or five albums, but it would be, of course, his first one. Mm-hmm. The Wicked West is definitely mandatory. I mean, I had, damn, I have a, an OG copy of that. Um, nightmares, yeah, ball headed kingpin. And if I were to say his really underrated works that are a little bit later down the line, uh, I like Jailbird, but if it's one of his underrated works that if you haven't listened to, I, I, I hope you listen to it. Was uh, The Return of the Kingpin? That's a good Return album. of the Kingpin, yeah. And outside of that, like I said, uh, oh shit, you know, there's some bunch of compilations like another thing that that night out there that i thought was always was impressive and a lot of people you know don't know about was like the fact that he was able to even release you know he has like five six compilations alone that are not titled greatest hits but it's basically a, a greatest hits and i know you own this one it was a you know the the chronicles of night out yes know, the fact that he was you know he was locked up and mr d approached them and said hey you know what, I, I, can I borrow, you know, make like a greatest hits and basically, you know, this will help me and I'm going to help you. And that one came out while he was inside locked up and he was able to make a profit just off his catalog alone, just you know, recycling another uh, greatest hits album. That one, the fact that it included those two songs, the bonus tracks that were actually hey. from the fucking, um, trigger finger or finger on the trigger uh tape that he did with hollow point yeah dog those i listened to those and fucking night out like rips it up but little one dude he sounds so different it's, it's a fucking trip that was no mercy and uh putting them all in the pantheon yeah shouldn't have yeah that, that that was that was some good shit um that was no mercy and uh putting them all in the pantheon yeah Yeah, because, uh, I mean, out of everything that he's done here, um, I, I can see why uh, In Love With A Gangster is, is probably, like, one of the most 
well-known songs by him and most popular songs because anytime you dedicate a song to a high net like it's more more often than not it's going to be one of those songs that never gets old you know i mean he was able to make a i guess you can say a manly love song you know a manly rap love song yeah that that that, you know that 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 song was definitely different for its time and it's definitely one of his more you know well-known songs you know it's just uh it's still you know stamped that you know like that song with that example the notations you know it yeah. still made them that song cemented you know to keep them relevant you know also dude like i know um one thing that uh al has always said to me is he hasn't uh sucks you know he has all this unreleased material but he said he has the rights that big psych rest in peace gave him a right gave him the rights to a. I i think it's well i don't know if he However, he got it, but he has a song with Tupac and Big Psych, unreleased song, that he was gonna put a verse on it, or did, but now who knows what's gonna happen. Why was that never released? I have no idea. I- I'm guessing it was maybe he had a plan for some kind of retirement, possibly, maybe banking in on that song, but I don't know why he was, or maybe it was he didn't know how to. He didn't know how to maybe release that for one project. Maybe wanted it for a compilation. I have no idea, man. See, that's a good question. That's another thing, too, is, like, he knew Johnny J back in, like, 96. Yeah. Like. Right, rest in peace. Rest in peace to Johnny J, too, dog. Like, rest in peace to Big Psych. Rest in peace to DZE. Rest in peace to um, Tupac. Like, everybody that we've mentioned right now, like, so many people are deceased. And and you know you mentioned that they were gonna get dropped. Uh, their album was gonna get dropped before uh, or after uh, Brown Side. So rest in peace to Toker and Danger. Like yeah. dog, <laughs> so many people have died and ah, fucking trip. And also like if anyone that's ever you know because you know Night Out so many albums you know some people haven't heard all of his works but just the fact that you know Night Out was no slouch in the rap game. He was definitely a successful underground you know artist he had money even though some of them showed him love but i mean we're talking about daz whether daz cocaine drasta rbx sugar free Psych, sugar free sick jacking jail felony plus you know the chicano rappers that you know that obviously that we know are good you know it's it's the guy the guy you know he had an accomplished rap career he nope. did. You know what's crazy that I found out is that he never charged anybody for a feature. Yeah. <laughs> that that's a trip, right? Like you got these whack motherfuckers that are talking about like, oh, I'm gonna be doing features for three grand, and you're like, who the fuck are you? Number one. And why the fuck are you posting this on on Instagram? Like, who the fuck cares? You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm like, who the fuck are these nobodies? charging three grand for a verse and i'm like i've never heard anybody listen to this guy's music i mean let alone i wouldn't be able to recognize it but still like i'm looking at like okay who the fuck is this person like what have they done and and why are they charging so much for a verse like this is this is a wild and uh and also uh, although like i said you know they might have not had as bigger success than night out but he's definitely made a you know, he's he's even put out some artists that were able to, you know, cement their legacy into the Chicano rap game or rap period. You know, you 
you know, look, I seldom seen now. You know, he's out there fucking rapping with Crooked Eye. You know, he put him out. He put Cosme out, you know. Uh, a talent that, you know, still doesn't get his recognition, but, you know, Gabato's talented. And, you know, you guys, and, and Flush the Villain, you know, he put them out. You know, they've done their contributions to rap, you know, to the fact that they, you know, they have their own, you know, fan bases, cool classic fan base, whatever you want to call it. You know what's a trip, too, is... um. I almost feel like people get in their own way. And Night Owl, like, we, we know his music because of how much of an impact he's made and, and the contributions he's done and the people he's put on. And, you know, just overall, like, he was a talented rapper. But he got in his own way in terms of how far his music would go. And I remember in an interview, and he's not the only person that has said this shit, but, like, Little Rob, that said it too. Like Little Rob is like, ah, I, I don't like flying. I don't like traveling. Like, you know, if it if it's too far, I don't want to go. And Night Owl, I said it too. He's like, the bird don't fly. You know, like the bird don't fly. Where has your uh, career taken you traveling? Due to me not flying, uh, there's a limit. You know what I mean? I don't fly. I ain't flown. You know, never have. Uh, so I've never. The gone Night Owl doesn't fly. What? Nah, nah, <laughs> Night Owl don't fly, man. And, and it makes you wonder, dog, like how much more further could their music careers have gone had they wanted to reach the masses that far? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, Night Owl is like, uh, you know, he did his shows in the, all over the Southwest, but the shows were limited. I think he even went as far as to, I don't know, Iowa or Idaho. So, so it's like I said, it's the fact that you're right because they, they did not like traveling because if you're out there over there you're like fuck it i'm gonna go ahead and try to do you know tours at these little dive bars or small menus in the south or east coast you know but then again like i said we were at a time where the, the, the style you know back then you know you, you had your styles in your areas you know so who knows you know he, he already had a rap mind he was an adult out there you know scanning the rap scene you know he always uh, he was always scanning the rap scene. So who yeah. knows? But he should have he like you said, there's there's limits. Or maybe who knows? Maybe like I said, it was a success down here in the southwest. Always it seems like it worked out for him well. But you know, those yeah. into two razones pues. You know, um DJ Tricks uh from Spanish Fly posted something on his Instagram, you know, basically saying rest in peace, uh, night out. But he, he posted a little story and it made me wonder, like, this is all pertaining to them traveling and stuff. But he says, I met him in 1992 after doing a concert together up in North, up North, a real chill guy who sat in our hotel room number that night with me, Rich Rock and Ruben Soto, and listened to a lot of my beats. He didn't say much. He was just watching, and I can tell he was loving every minute of it. He left us with hundreds of songs that will continue to be played forever. I've never really heard his music, but I know people loved him. But the fact that, like, they were, you know, this is one of those things that makes you wonder, like, how often were they performing back in the 90s? You know what I mean? Like, what what was Familia Records doing out there for shows and shit? Right. You know, like I say, it's... At the time, you know, you just had all these, 
it seems like just a lot of these homies are just excited to just put out a CD, you know, and maybe possibly, man, the work I'm, I'm thinking Murray was just, you know, he was running the whole damn thing. So it, it was probably just hard to just do everything at that time. Yeah. And like I said, it was just a, an idea that just blew up differently. And then from there, like I said, it, it had its limits because you know, no one knew how it was going to develop or, or how to go forward with it. And that's why we have a lot of, what is it, deviations or reroutes of, of this game, you know? So, yeah. Or at least in the Chicano rap game. For sure, man. Um, anything else you, you want to throw in there? Uh, any shout outs you want to give and whatnot? Well, you know, um, Night Owl. He gave me some good memories in my past, you know, back in my teen years. Much respect to uh, to Night Owl, who, you know, he, he gave me the time to even hang out with me, even if I was a little mocoso to him, you know. He, he never played like he was too cool for school. Um, there was at least three times that, you know, he's like, yeah, sure, you know what I mean? Bring some of your homies and, you know, I would bring my homies, three or four of my homies, and they got to meet him. You know, uh, I've listened to, you know, like two or three rap albums with him. Um, he would let me, I know, for example, man, I'd be, you know, I'd be on my bike and I'd be so, I'd be so hella happy, man. Even though, like I said, it's, you know, he'd have fools from his neighborhood come visit him and fucking, you know, he'd just be fucking chilling outside. You know, they were shooting the shit, drinking, smoking. I was just happy to be there. You know, we just... He was just a man that, you know, he loved his cars, he loved his music, and, you know, he, he loved his food. You know, there was a lot of positives to Ray. You know, there's a... He was always righteous uh, by me when I was, when I was a, you know, a younger kid. And then, uh, like I said, we had our, our disconnects for a while, and then I, I got to run into him as an adult again, and we got to just relieve uh, some memories, and we got to hang out, and eat at some good places and you know shared some memories like um i'm just glad that you know he, he gave me the time to explain just a little about about himself you know i was uh, listening to some of his voicemails and i've been bumping his music a lot lately i mean i've always been a fan of his music and that, that that's just pretty much it that's uh, it's it i i hope that um some somehow some way something i know there's limited you know the music's there but i know in the story i hope somehow some way you know like i said he he will find a way to get his his recognition somehow whether it's through a little mini documentary even if it's a five-piece video something and i just hope he gets his it's fair recognition because uh, a lot of people I, I believe some people do undermine his contributions yeah. yeah uh that's that's very true man like our culture is filled with sometimes there's this hypocrisy where we talk about like being down for a plaza but at the same time we fucking hate each other so much you know what i mean like it's it's this weird paradox of of how I we agree. how we behave you know what i mean but you know here as the G-Funk junkies, we want to express our condolences to the family and close friends of Night Owl, a.k.a. Ramon, a.k.a. Ray, a.k.a. Uh, C-Rap. What was his name? Ray uh, Rap C. Ray Rap C. 
you know, here we don't deny the impact, the contributions and importance of one of the most influential rappers in the underground. Like we always say, the radio, music, television, and the mainstream will never acknowledge our presence. So it's up to us to keep the support and memories alive. So rest in peace to Ramon Night Out Corona from San Diego. This man defined the genre and was a jumping point for what came to be known as Chicano rap. Everything before that was retrofitted as Chicano rap and everything else became it by default. Whether you agree or not, his debut to find the subgenre. And with that, we pay our homage and our respects to the man, the myth, the legend. Night out. And condolences to, you know, El Señor Ramon, his father, and his wife, Ray's mother. It's an awful thing to have to bury your son. It is, man. And I really wish that... I, I, that we could do more episodes dedicated to people that have passed because for being such a under underprivileged genre and you know a lack of coverage exists but for the small amount of rappers that we think may exist in this genre there's a lot of them that have come and gone you know what I mean and I, I think each one deserves that respect to be acknowledged for their contributions. You know, I know we've said it for um, Slow Pain, Rest in Peace. To uh, I mean, to the for me, it's one of my favorite albums. Albums. It's the LSD fully strapped album. Rest in Peace to Joker. Rest in Peace to Channel Brown. Um, you know, Rest in Peace to Lil V, who was uh, Slow Pain's homie. Joker. Uh, Joker. Uh, his his homie Danger. Um, fuck man I mean we can keep going on and on with with different uh, different people that have passed but we want to pay our homage and you know say that we appreciate the music that was left behind but obviously we couldn't fit all of 9L's accomplishments into this one hour segment but here is a quick summary of everything that he's done you know he started off with these neighborhood raps that influenced local rappers drop hood classics got to work with Easy e and almost joined Ruthless Records, got rappers and producers connected in the game, collaborated with mainstream artists like Big Psych, started his own label, and cemented the genre through his body of work. 